welcome to Dragon Talk. <laughs> hey! I love you, Greg Tino. Hey, buddy. How you doing? Your wife's going to love this episode. She loves when I make that voice. She's like, it feels viscerally anger. Just like boiling hot what? flames. Well, what yeah. if when you get older, that is your voice? That's what I told her. It could be. You Aaron. gotta get used to it. <laughs> well, she might have a weird voice, too. She does have a weird voice. <laughs> Maybe that's why she never got to be a caroler. I was just gonna say that. Uh, anywho, I'm Poor Greg Shelley. Tito. I am the man with a thousand voices. Uh, Shelley? I'm the woman with a thousand and two. <laughs> <laughs> that's you always adding number two to everything. that's me that's you we have a fantastic dragon talk coming at you today i'm so excited uh we speak to zender genre yay uh dnd performer extraordinaire uh he has probably more credits in uh live action role-playing game shows than i think anyone that we've ever spoken to done a lot. He has done a lot. Yes. And oddly enough, very, very, uh, the only way that we've been working with him is through uh, uh, the Midwest Moms, uh, which was Ugh. a video that he did where he was playing My fave. Dungeons and Dragons for uh, uh, his mother and her friends in Wisconsin, yep. uh, which is adorable and you should go watch it. It's on the D&D YouTube channel right now. Um, but then also uh, as a library bard, mm-hmm. we have had him at two events, uh, Stream of Many Eyes and D&D Live most recently. Um, playing some fun D&D parody stuff. So good. It is very good. Super talent. Very talented. He's been on Relics and Rarities, uh, as well as L.A. Bay Night, a lot of other Geek and Sundry stuff, uh, and uh, you should enjoy the I've interview. wanted to talk to him for a while. You really have. Okay. And I actually was one of those like, oh, didn't we? Oh, we haven't yet? Oh, okay, we should. Yeah. Because uh, there is just so much to talk about. Yes. Yeah. And uh, he's just delayed. Delightful. D and delightful. D and delightful. I like that. Yeah. I lightful that. Yeah. Wait, now that doesn't make any sense. Uh, so those of you who are listening to this, this is most likely uh, for you in the period at the end of 2019. I hope we're all having fun. I hope you're all having fun. You're imbibing wonderful uh, inebriance, uh, celebrating perhaps uh, a new year coming yes. or uh, a recent holiday. Uh, you know, it just occurred to me, and this is me being a, a, a bad creator of a podcast, but a lot of podcasts do like end of year type, you know, oh, Wrap these ups. are our best episodes or like, you know, favorite things. Mm. We really haven't done that ever. Have we? Never. Have we ever done, like asked like, you know, everybody like, hey, what, what was your best you know, interview and like replay those, blah, blah, blah. We, the reason why. Clip that, show? Yeah, like a clip show. Uh we, the reason why we don't do that is just there's just so many people to talk to. I don't want to not talk to people you know, as we do it. I recently went back through the 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 library of the archive the archive of of Dragon Talks. Yeah. I was looking for something in particular, and I was like, "My God, we have talked to a lot of people this year. Yeah, a lot of really good guests. Uh, great guests. Yes. Yeah. So, and, and we're always looking for more. That's the that's the that's the wonderful thing. Yeah, there's no shortage. Hopefully, of, we'll of we'll people. we'll speak to some sci-fi authors uh, as well as other nope, folks. We've definitely had an influx of the authors this year. Yeah, and they've they've been uh, enlightening uh, as well as uh, I don't know. I, I want more people to to come out of the woodwork and, and nominate new uh, new guests for us. I mean, I feel like they they're, they were, they're put, taking themselves out of the woodwork. <laughs> 
They're just they're just stepping uh, away from the woodwork. <laughs> Take a break. Take a break. Take a break. Get out of that woodwork. What do you picture when you hear that expression? Well, now that you said it, I'm thinking of like termites coming out of the woodwork. Right. I picture like a baseboard. It's yeah. always in my mind. It's always been a baseboard of the woodwork and like someone like crawling out of the baseboard. <laughs> like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. Yeah. Like, like the, yeah. Like coming out of the mouse hole. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm thinking that now, too. Okay. Now I'm always going to think of that when I say cool. coming out of the woodwork. And then think of me after. <sighs> or me coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> Hello, Greg. This is your coming out of the woodwork with Shelley Mazzanova. Hey, that's your new <laughs> podcast. And you have I a voice as a termite the whole time. This is my termite voice. <laughs> oh, it's See, nice out here. Why would we do, you know, recap or, uh, you know, a clip show episodes when we have all these wonderful voices I mean, that really, we can go back to? Exactly. Why, why go back to old content when there's just this constant stream of new <laughs> body award-winning content? Exactly. By the way, I'm up to 1,003 voices now. 1,003. You just well, created a new one. <laughs> it sounds a lot like... <laughs> All my other I was like, are we sure that you have a thousand and three different, like completely different? I have different a thousand voice? and one variations of the same voice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, well, that's a different one. That's an old man. <laughs> this is the old lady version. <clears throat> this is an old man. <laughs> See, it's very similar. An old man on helium. I don't know about that. <laughs> you got a little bit of an axion. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we could so, do this anyway. uh, all day, but you should probably go to the store and pick up some Dungeon Mayhem. Uh, play it with your – Yeah. If you haven't already, uh, you know, get rid of the socks that your uh, Aunt Petunia got you that you don't like uh, and spend that money on some really fun games. Yeah. Like Dungeon Mayhem. There is, of course, uh, lots of D&D stuff out there. The Rick and Morty box set you could start with. Great gift idea. Maybe some Eberron if you're looking for a new flavor. What if you want to get your dungeon master like a really nice gift? Like what if all the players in your game all agree to pool their their resources and get something super nice for your dungeon master? I think someone... What would you get them? From Beetle and Grimm might be able to answer that question. It would be one of their boxes. And there is a, a one coming out for Eberron. I think it's a gold edition. That uh, is got some amazing artifacts within it to yeah. give to your dungeon master and some, make their kit that much better. And it, it makes your game that much exactly. better. I mean, like, let's be honest, it's kind of a gift for you, too. It's a gift that keeps on giving. Yes. And then you can whisper like this It's important. It's important. Happy holidays. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody that was just like turning it up. I know. It's and so then all annoying. of a sudden my like and then we Chris Lindsay laugh uh, gets on the microphone. <laughs> and it makes every Yeah. Oh, you're Chris Lindsay laugh. <laughs> it's me and Chris Lindsay can keep this laughter going for yes. hours and hours on end. So um, So pick up all that fun stuff. Again, Beelow Grimm's Pandemonium Warehouse it creates all that, you know, I think in uh, this interview we talk about how they having the visceral props are really important yeah. and you know you don't necessarily have to make those you can find them someone out there someone else can do it yeah and uh, Beetle and Grimm's does fantastic work with that it's so cool it's very cool yeah that's what I would give to my dungeon master if I I might give I my fun. dungeon master a really nice set of dice ooh like dice that had a gem in them <gasps> like a lab grown gem for sure like a lab grown 
A sapphire? A sapphire? Yeah. Hey, what's the traditional, uh, you know, anniversary for uh, five years and 45 years? Do oh, you know? you, do you got someone who's uh, celebrating some big anniversaries? I do. I believe it's actually a sapphire. It is it a sapphire? Yes, it is. And that's why you can get the D&D Sapphire Dice Anniversary set. I messed up all those words, but some combination in of those. some order. They thing. go in some order. You can grab it right now. It is 11 oh. dice aluminum. Very beautifully designed by Level Up Dice and uh, on one of the D20s because there's two because you got to roll with advantage you and disadvantage. Uh, you can have a lab grown sapphire on that die. It's super cool. More than a carat large. And it which comes is with huge. a little dice tray. A little dice tray. And all of the dice on the highest number, other than the one that has the lab grown sapphire, has a ampersand. In blue, beautiful on it. It's very gorgeous. There is a note signed by all the members of the D and D team thanking you for being a fan uh, for forty five years, as we know all of you are, uh, or five years. And uh, there's also information about how to use a gem dragon, which is a wonderful monster, a sapphire dragon using uh, some psionic blast abilities on you uh, and your hapless players. Great. Yeah, you mm. want that, right? Totally. Yeah. If you were a gem dragon, what what type of gem dragon? All I'm would picturing you is gem in the holograms. Now. Ooh, so like uh, a purple, like amethyst yep. kind of. Oh well, that's my birthstone. Amethyst. Duh. I yeah. guess I'd be an amethyst dragon. You're an amethyst dragon now. What would you be? I would probably be a, a ruby. <gasps> oh, I was gonna say ruby because mm-hmm. I really like that name. I do too. Yeah. You know that's our car's name is Ruby. No, I didn't. Yeah, our uh, uh, Mazda tribute. If I had a a daughter, I would have. Strong-armed Bart into naming her Ruby. Well, I'm I support that. Okay. Yeah. Are you, are you gonna? Have to it would be really confusing if we were in a parking lot though, and we're like Ruby, Ruby, and your car was like, like beep, beep. Over her. yeah, yeah. Uh, that would be really strange. And no, I'm not. Do you name your cars? Yes. Yeah. What's your oh, car name? Sylvie. Sylvie, because mm-hmm. it's silver. Yeah. Yeah. And Bart's car is um, Patrick. Because <laughs> it's. Patty, because he just looks like a he's like a he's like a very nice, reliable Honda Civic. He just oh. looks like a like his name is Patrick. Okay, yeah, yeah I could see that. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my other car is named Chili. Chili, uh, yeah, because it's no air conditioning or too much air- AC or no, no heat. The, or? the the red looks like a chili pepper. Oh, you have two red cars. We have two red cars. We got Ruby and Chili. Oh, yeah. I like it. I like it too. Yeah, but it was funny when my girls finally were like, "Do you know that?" Uh, you know, Evelyn, their parents don't name their cars. And oh, I was like, no. oh, yeah, Wait, no. Were they, like, in Evelyn's parents' car yeah. and, and be like, like, hey, what's this car's name? And they're like, we don't have a name for our car. I think it's weird that people don't name I their cars. I always name my car. I enjoy it. But then not, I, my parents never did that. It's just something that my yeah. wife and I just kind of adopted doing. I guess my parents didn't either. Yeah. It was well, always, like, mom's car or dad's car. But I name my friends' cars if they don't name them. <laughs> I give them names. I'm like, I'm the car whisperer. Hang on. Your car's name is Dino. Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is your name now. Yeah. And they stick. And they, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, you are the car whisperer. I am. Yeah. I like that. That's why we're friends, is that we both want to name other people's cars. Yes. <laughs> now I want to introduce Ruby and Sylvie. Do you think they'd be friends? Totally. I think they would. Sylvie, she's pretty friendly. Now I'm thinking of anthropomorphized cars, like, you know, hanging out with each I other, playing anthrop- D&D together. Anthro, that's another one I can't say <laughs> or spell. What about onomatopoeia? Onomatopoeia. Oh, you can say that one. That's good. But I want to say the other one because it's something I love to do. What is it? Ant- anthropomorphized. Morphize. Morphize. Yeah. Anthropomorphous. I, I can, I like that. Everything is like 
turned into a, a living creature around me. It, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's a lot of D&D tropes is all about that, too, where, like, you know, the tabaxi and the tortles and the yes. thing, those are basically living versions of cartoons. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, even elves, you can say, to a certain extent, are just, like, you know, ethereal beings that are, you know, larger than life. Not necessarily animal-like, but, you know what I'm trying yeah. to say. You know what I'm trying to say. I get you. I hear you. Um, so, so I think we've vamped for enough. Do you think we should just yes. throw it to a segment? Get on with it. Let's do it. Segmentize before we get to our interview. Segmentize. With... I know, right? That was like a very robot thing. Segmentize. Now, bing dong, bing dong. Welcome to A Lore You Should Know. I am Greg Tito, and I'm joined by... I am Ari Levitch. Hi, Ari. Hello. Today, we are going in this segment where we jump into bits of Dungeons & Dragons lore for your use at the table as a dungeon master, or just because it's fun to know something about Dungeons & Dragons versus Rick and Morty tabletop role-playing game adventure, uh, which you worked on, Ari. I did. I did. Um, I had I had a lot of fun working on this. And, uh, yeah, I ha- we're going to talk about some of those fun things. Exactly. And this one is a specific kind of overall theme, would you say? Yeah, it's it kind of, it's more of a philosophy than a theme. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll kind of talk about really the kind of the soul of this adventure. And as we said uh, in a previous lore, you should know, uh, you know, uh, this whole box set is taking some of the IP from Rick and Morty from the Cartoon Network show, mashing it with those characters' love of Dungeons & Dragons and presents an adventure that you can play out of the box uh, and, you know, with very little prep time and get into playing some some fun D&D. Yeah, this is very much in the kind of the tradition of the the Rick and Morty uh, versus Dungeons & Dragons comic book. So uh, we got to kind of... uh, we got, we got to tap into that a little bit as we as we were considering how to how to approach this uh, this adventure, and um, we got right into it uh, with this idea of um, a condition of many of the denizens in this dungeon. They are afflicted with buttlessness. Buttlessness, and this is a tr- a real danger for um, anyone adventuring here. That they could also lose butts or lose parts. Part of their butts, so you could be <laughs> what are the half butt component? Oh, half butted. Yeah, and we don't know what half. It's just it's it's random what half. It could be just the upper half or <laughs> one of one cheek. So it you could see now it, it's the the stakes are very high. So how how can a, a mammal be buttless? Um, magic. <laughs> That's, that's that's the ultimate D and D answer, it, but, uh, but it's also the truth. Does it mean that they don't? I mean, when you're saying butts, are you saying the the cheeks, as you mentioned, or the actual functional whole part? I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I don't. I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that I'm. We're hopefully recreating conversations that were done in the design room as you guys were talking about these things. No, oddly, no. We all we all just accepted it immediately. I'm just like, yep, buttless. Yeah, of course, buttless. All right, yeah. and then half butted. Yeah. Um. So why is it a danger? Because you have no butt, <laughs> man. I don't know how else to explain this. Like this all seems apparent. Um, if you so eat or consume food during this adventure, and you are become afflicted with buttlessness. Yeah, just just think about it. Does that mean you'll explode? The adventure doesn't go on that long. <laughs> it's only a few hours. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's it's weird, but it really gets you to think about the big questions, you know, in life. 
And that's important. You just have to like stop sometimes in the middle of this game and ask a lot of those questions, and, and people will speculate. And I think that's, that's the richness of just D&D. This, this is what we're yes. This is what we're delving into. Yeah, is, yeah. Is all the, the lore things, you should know. All I mean, the things that D and D should teach you. Yeah, uh, is is what a butt means to you. Mm-hmm. And, and everyone's means, gonna have a different answer. Ex- <laughs> There's no wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> but we could all we could all accept and agree that it does mean something. We, we just don't know what it yeah. means. Yeah, yeah. That, and I, I I can agree with that. Um, so how how do you become afflicted with buttlessness? There is. Um, there's a butt trap in this adventure. <laughs> so is it like a honey are, trap? Um, it it looks like a big butt. <laughs> As you would imagine, it. I mean, of course. I mean, I don't have to go really into the kind of the mechanics of it. But as you would imagine, the butt trap takes takes your butt. Um, <laughs> That's not what I imagined. If you're able to get it back, um, it floats back to its owner, um, kind of like a butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> and it's described in this um, I don't remember who exactly wrote this part but it's described as returning to its owner like a butterfly on a river of light on <laughs> <laughs> a river of light <laughs> yeah. yeah it is so I imagine it's this kind of transcendent experience to be reunited with your butt once you have lost it uh, mm-hmm. like the angels are singing in yeah, the background yeah as and you... as, no matter what trials and kind of tribulations you faced in this, if you lost your butt and then regained it, it was all worth it, I think, in the end, because you're closer than ever to your, to your butt. And you've learned what you do yeah. when you set something free and it returns. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Um, while you guys were developing this, did anyone utter the phrase, hold on to your butts? Uh, I think incessantly. <laughs> it, yeah, everyone at some point thought they were clever when they said it. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah well, the done, old, well done. The old adage of but Samuel it's a truism. Jackson. It's a truism. Yeah. It's just, it's, these are words to live by. These are kind of, these were, that was a, a concept that I think defined our generation philosophically. Was like, holding on to your yeah, own butt. It's, it's, is there a deeper truth? I, I, <laughs> I, I haven't found one. So you mentioned that there's also like a conflict between those with butts and those without. Yeah, so it's interesting. So we talked about this idea of like what a momentous event it is to to lose one one's butt um, to a butt trap. And there's a a sect in this adventure known as the Order of the Buttless, and they're 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 not an aggressive sect. They've they've come to appreciate what life is without a butt, and they will. They will talk to you about that. They will, they will go on about it. Um, but they, they don't go unopposed either. There is a rivalry between the Order of the Buttless and Tommy Two Butts, whose mission is to destroy the butt trap. But, of course, the Order of the Buttless, you know. Because they want more members. Yeah, they want more members. They want, they, want to, they want to spread that joy of being buttless. The... the being unburdened from from everything that comes with having a butt is, I guess, the order of the butt list. That's, that's kind of like their whole approach. That they are free because yeah. they no longer excrete waste. And all of us are just burdened. Like, why would we continue in, in, this, in this suffering? Why would we hold on to our butts? 
That right, that is the question, right? Now you could you could always just flip that, yes, and and you know find find even more meaning. Let go of the, your butt. Let go of it. So so does Tommy Two Butts have two butts? Tommy Two Butts indeed has two butts. <laughs> um, probably a little sensitive about it, but has two butts. How did he get two butts? Nobody knows. Ooh, this is this is one of the mysteries um, of this adventure. Did he create the butt trap? Um, I don't think so, but it's never explicitly said that he didn't. So if you wanted to, like, if you were a, a DM who wanted to go in that direction, I think there's a lot of, there are a lot of unanswered questions that you can, you can kind of, threads that you can pull on or weave into your own, your own kind of, your but, own story. No. Your own, <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> I couldn't help it. You can't weave it into your own butt. No, I yeah. don't recommend. <laughs> that's, that's something that's explicitly not recommended with <laughs> no, the text. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so how does Tommy Two Butts get more people onto his side? Um, if you are sympathetic to his cause, if you, maybe one of the members of your party lost all or part of their butt, um, <laughs> you might want to destroy the butt trap so you can release your butt. Um, so you might just, you know, it might be kind of allies of convenience. Um, and he has developed a technology that can destroy the butt trap and you have to help him create something called the churd cannon. And the, only the churd cannon, as far as we know, only the churd cannon can destroy the butt trap and release all the butts with it. It's, so it's kind of like the uh, uh, containment system in Ghostbusters. If you yeah. destroy it, it'll release Absolutely. all of them. Yeah, the yeah. That, that's a good way to think about it. <laughs> and, then, and then all those butts can then haunt everyone uh, from now on. Are they, is it assured that it will go back to the owner? It's, yes, but we don't know what happens... Like. What happens if, if you if your character dies and your butt is in the butt, the trap. butt trap and the churd cannon releases that we have a bunch of errant butts? <laughs> I mean, I don't that itself. I mean, you have you have like a part two to this adventure That's right there. Chaos. Like these these are yeah these these are loose threads. And <laughs> again, you can, loose butts. <laughs> loose butts. They are loose butts. They are butts on the run. And, and that's that's the sequel. That's the title of the sequel. Now. Butts on yeah, the run. What have I done? Uh, so when you have played or play tested this this, uh, I haven't played this adventure. <laughs> I don't know. I don't really know what's in here. Does the party, in your experience, become like split between the butts and the buttless, or do they kind of you know align towards one? My side? experience has been um, when one or more members lose their butts, surprisingly. They're very attached to their fictional characters, fictional butts, <laughs> and they side with Tommy Two Butts almost immediately. Really? Yeah, I haven't seen anyone won over by the order of the butt list yet. I think everyone sees them as delusional, but there might be some. There might be some wisdom in that. I don't know. Yeah. Like the order of the butt list may have ascended in some way, like evolutionarily <laughs> past <laughs> beyond beyond our kind of more base. Needs. It's kind of like if you took the Matrix and it was like, oh, there is no spoon, mm. but you're like, but there is no butt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why yeah. must you have butt when there is no butt? It sounds like you might be more sympathetic sympathetic to the order of the butt. I think I am. I think as I would play as someone who is like, <laughs> why are butts? Why butts? Yeah, why butts? Why butts? It's, just, it's not a butt trap. This is this is something you would volunteer for. A trap yeah. is it's already there's a connotation to calling it a butt trap. Exactly. We're yeah. talking about butt freedom. Yeah, the freedom from butts. Yeah, I think I think you would find a home among among <laughs> the order of the butless. Uh, who is who is the leader of the order of the butless? The order of the butless has a leader. It is. Hang on, give me one second. Sure, because I, I, I like that Tommy Two Butts would have a a meaningful foil. Yeah, it is Zorg who is the speaker for the order of the butless. Zorg. Zorg. 
Interesting. All right. Well, maybe maybe I'm fa- I found my my character within this adventure. I can't wait. Is, yeah, you have to you have to run this now. Yeah, this is, or you have to have somebody run it for you so you can immediately join the Order of the Butlers, or you could already be a member going into it. Yeah. And because your character is wearing pants as you go in, so no nobody one knows. knows no one knows if I have a butt or not. Yeah. You have to kind of you know talk about that. You're through. bringing people in for the sales pitch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, have you heard of a timeshare on butts? <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so and this you, is and kinda, you mentioned that it kind of weaves through each yeah, one of the encounters. So there are characters and denizens that you meet here. There are zombies that you will meet that are buttless. Oh. Um, there. Are, uh, in Frankie Freem's room, one of the animatronic monsters is missing a butt. So this doesn't just affect um, the player character. Player character doesn't just affect even just organic beings. If you have the semblance of a butt, you're at risk of the butt trap. Interesting. Yeah. And do they band together? Like if 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 a buttless sees another buttless member, are they like, hey, we're on the, the same? I, I don't like to team? lump. Groups of people but will, together. But will they identify themselves to oh, other buttless people? Um, maybe. I think some people are, might be more um, secretive about it, more self-conscious about it, where other people are, you know, would flaunt this fact, this gift of buttlessness. <laughs> uh, I love that there's this weird through line throughout uh, this, <laughs> this, this whole adventure. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, it's... Uh, it, it, it is a thing. We did a thing. I want to see how it will get resolved amongst uh, the thousands of butts and buttlesses yeah. uh, or, or butted and buttless people out there. Just, I have to – I can't show this, but I'll describe it. Yes. But, so when I got my copy, um, I had uh, some of the my fellow writers sign my copy of it. And I got a Kate Welch original. She wrote the word butts and then drew a butt nice. on, right on the cover of my adventure. So. She, I think, is a big proponent of the Tommy Two Butts and the and the and the and the Churd Cannon and the Churd Cannon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I feel like I might be diametrically opposed. I think so. Yeah, think you have you have you have a nemesis. I have a nemesis. This is great. Yeah, <laughs> we did it. We yeah. did it. Yeah, uh, I love uh, all the weirdness uh, that is in here. It feels like a um, uh, collection of jokes that. Uh, friends would tell to each other, and that you, I knowing as as all the writers on this and telling to it, making each other laugh. And I know Shelley has said many times while playtesting this that she fell apart into tears and I've could not seen continue. Her f- cry firsthand. Yeah, as as she went through this adventure, it is it is bonkers. Um, yeah, I, I'm proud of it. I'm I'm proud of what we accomplished. It it is it is weird, um, it is, but it's a ton of fun and also meaningful. I mean, because what what is butts? It does raise the big questions of our age. Um, <laughs> I think. I think also the age of five years old. Uh, uh, <laughs> yep, I'll leave it at that. Yep, yeah, that's it. That's all I got to say. Thank you, Ari, for all of your contributions Absolutely. to was, this. Yeah, this is great. Uh, and to making uh, the the butted versus the buttless uh, a, a compelling theme for adults and children alike. Yeah. So there, there you go, everyone. <laughs> That's your present to the world. Uh, yeah, my legacy. <laughs> Excellent. Well, how can people uh, maybe get in touch with you and give you a high five for all of uh, the butts? So I'm uh, at Ari Levich um, on Twitter. Um, and yeah, that's, that's it. That's, that's literally it. the only way anyone can ta- contact me ever. In any way. So, yeah. All right, cool. I'll, I'll message you on Twitter and uh, make secret uh, pro butt and uh, anti pickle 
uh, messages. Fantastic. For, for you, you have to start start the factions. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Thanks a lot. And uh, we'll be back with more lore in 2020. Great. Thanks. Do you think we won a potty award for that intro? I do. You know why? <laughs> the those were exceptionally good bing bong. Bing, bing bong. bong. Why do we bing bong? Because uh, the lore you should know intro music has bells in it, and they go bong bing really? bing bong. Yeah, and someone mentioned it on Twitter, I think, and then we just kind of adopted it. So we? even when it's not a lore you should know segment, we we still bing bong. We well, it's I generally kind of try the, not to do that. Really? Yeah. So that's why you bing and bong, and sometimes you don't. Yeah, generally. But I don't always know what segment's going to be popping up. That's amazing. You guys are getting all of the sausage and how it's being made right now. It's like a little se- secret This is the clue. kind of bonus content that you get when you listen to a podcast that comes out uh, between Christmas and New Year's yeah. in the year of our Lord, 2019. This is for you people out there, fans of Dragon Talk. Spread the word. Let everyone know about it. And what better way to do that than to uh, go to our interview with Xander Genre right now. I am switching to this. Oh, I've got the wrong buttons on here, so we can't see. Yeah, that's see. a good button. Uh, yeah, but we can't see our guests, so oh, uh, nope. we'll try and get that going. Uh, but uh, no one can see you, Xander, but welcome Uh-oh. to the podcast. Xander! How's it going, Xander? Genre? You know, but for the best. Like, just it is not. Just time to prep to visualize me. They, they just need they a have to Get into it. They have right. To, they have to earn <laughs> it. They have to earn <laughs> right, the right. right to see you. Uh, buttons are hard. Buttons are a problem for a lot of people. <laughs> I keep on trying to push them, and people are like, you shouldn't push everyone's right. buttons. And I'm like, but I thought that's You're what my job was. You're constantly being told not to push buttons. Should I just push this button? Do, do it. Do, do it. Just see, see what happens. See what happens. Maybe. Oh, oh, there you are. It was my fault. Yay. Yay. There you are. People are applauding, so I will applaud as well. <laughs> it's hard not to, it's especially when the applause is for yourself. Ah, oh, I'll right. take it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm so excited that you were able to join us. It feels like we've we've talked and been hung out for so many times, but n- never officially on Dragon Talk before. I know. It's insane. Because I remember meeting you not this past year, but a year before at D&D Live when we were doing stuff. And then, like, through the internet, you know, as internet friends. But I'm, I'm so excited to be here. You have no idea. I'm <laughs> very excited. You have been doing nonstop D&D stuff, it feels like. Uh, I have not- since yeah. then, but just like, you know, it just keeps steamrolling into more and more. Right. I am incredibly lucky that I get to do this so often and in a, a professional capacity. It's it, it blows my mind constantly day by day. And then if fifth grade me, could, who just opened the first box set, could see what it would become, he would have no idea. He would lose his mind and go, why are you here from the future? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I like your hair. Wow, I'm going to have like blue hair? <laughs> I'm so cool. That's where I got the idea, see? Yeah, I'm the future you. I'm not really good at time travel, so I'm already lost. That's like a Bill and Ted's thing that's happening here now all of a sudden. Yeah. Amazing. So how did this how did this happen? So you were in fifth grade. I ask myself constantly, like, how did this happen? I was super lucky because uh, I was into like a fantasy loving family, uh, in that my dad was super into Lord of the Rings. Um especially Tolkien at the time, but he was the one that introduced me to Dungeons and Dragons. 
And then I had to force my friends to play with me on my birthday because that's the only time that I could force them <laughs> oh, to come over. It's my but I birthday. didn't want to DM. I wanted to play. And so I would read the modules, give it to my friend to DM, and I would know everything magically. <laughs> oh, oh, funny how that works I'm out. really good at DM. It was young, and I'm paying for my crimes, I, I swear. <laughs> Well, so that was what, nice. what 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 kind of character did you play? What was what did, what was oh, your no. idealized oh, version? Yeah, so I funnily enough, I played a wizard uh, named Blue Wolf. <laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> he was a human because I liked having uh, like access to all of the abilities and not like specializing. And I felt like human was cool in that way. That is cool. Um, but yeah, and then like yearly, I would force my friends to play with me, and eventually, I went off to college and started playing on my own with people that wanted to be there. Uh, <laughs> Much different experience. <laughs> Way different. Um, yeah, and then experimented with DMing. And then um, I actually lived in Japan for a while while I was in college. I My junior year of college, I took abroad in at the Nagasaki University of Foreign Languages. Uh, and then when I came back, I was like, I'm going to, I was a theater major. I'm like, I'm going to move to hey. Los Angeles. Uh, and there's something about being in another country, especially when it speaks another language. When you come back, you're you're like, fearless because I could do anything. It's all in English. I'm going to move to Los Angeles. I'm going to get an apartment and I'm going to be an actor. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I love the Lotsi of of putting your hand up in the air like you were just conjuring it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. And then, yeah. So, um, yeah, came back, moved to to Los Angeles, got involved with, uh, like, the nerd community out here, which is very small, uh, but very welcoming and supportive. And uh, got involved with places like Geek and Sundry and Nerdist and, and uh, got on camera. I actually did a reality show called King of the Nerds on TBS. So that kind of Wait, put what, me into... You were on it? Like a cast member? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't God. have blue hair at the time, but I was on season two. Uh, oh, and okay. Yeah. No spoilers, but I, I didn't win, but I got pretty far. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I've got this canned response that I can call up at any exactly. moment. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't uh, 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 another f- a friend of ours also Ivan, there? Yeah, yeah. Cool. So Ivan was on season one. Oh, okay. Yeah, Ivan Van Norman, uh, and that's how who actually pulled me in to to work with the tabletop stuff. Uh, he called me in for a series that we did called Sagas of Sundry, which was more like horror based. Yeah, and we were playing Dread, which is the Jenga or not Jenga, the Woodblock Tower game. <laughs> <laughs> the other Woodblock Tower game. Thank you, Mattel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize it, 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 from there. it came from that, that show at the same time, too. That's really right? interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you meet Booger? So, Was Booger still involved with it then? Yeah, Curtis. Curtis Armstrong. And we're actually really close. We got close after the show. Uh, he did with a lot of us that were a part of it because it was, it was a nurturing. We were in on the joke. We weren't the butt of the joke show. And so it was, it was really well done. It really it was a true revenge of the nerds. Well, yeah, yeah, where, right. Are there any other um, castmates on there that are doing like things that we would know? You mean yeah. like lo- like a like a Mickey Mouseketeers type thing, yes. like Justin like, Timberlake? Oh my and god, Britney that's Spears. Ryan Gosling, and like, <laughs> right. as the a young part, Mouseketeer. Yeah, the best part about this show is that we were all from different like spheres of nerddom. So mine was I was the theater kid and the LARPer, uh, and Ivan was a tabletop designer type of thing. But we have people that are out there working on cures for cancer. Mujige from season one works at the JPL, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory wow. here in uh, Pasadena. Like rocket scientists. Yes. Uh, Mary Kate Smith from season two, also rocket scientists. 
Uh, ben uh, Tully does a lot of stuff. He's a deep sea microbiologist. So it's they're all in their fields, and I guess this is the field that I'm in. <laughs> and I've stayed in your yeah. fields. Thank you for theater kid representing. Uh, feels, Anytime. It feels good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as a theater major, that explains why when you got to college, you found D and D people want, who wanted to play D&D with you. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I went to like an art school in Iowa. And so the basement was full of people that wanted to play D&D. <laughs> That's amazing. So when did you make that? You, you were saying you were experimenting with dungeon mastering and stuff. Like when did yeah. you start going from uh, uh, you know, wanting to be a player to wanting to tell your own stories? That's uh, that's an interesting question. Um, I, I think that I saw what my friends were doing, and in my experience in studying theater and acting, I thought that I could contribute a different sort of viewpoint or story to tell, and that was really exciting to me. So it, it, uh, for all of the characters and the campaigns that I play, I try to put some kind of twist on it that makes it my own because that's I try to find the fun. That's what I call it. And so um, if, if you look at Ricky Huckster with Relics and Rarities, the show that I did uh, with Deborah and Wall, um, he's a druid, but I liked the flavoring it to be potions. And he's a potion master in potion bottles. Or um, the new show that I have out on, on the D&D YouTube channel is um, Dark Lanterns, which features the Eberron campaign. And for that, I play Waltz, who is a mark of healing halfling bard, but he uh, expresses himself self through exotic dance. And so that's how I kind of put the twist on it, that he has to dance to have his abilities manifest. <laughs> I, oh, my God. I love bards. Yeah. I love oh bards gosh. so much. They're amazing. They're my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> That show has been yeah. really uh, fun because you get that, you know, obviously there's a lot of fantasy that is very tropey with elves and dwarves and, and, and spells and things like that. But I love Eberron right. and especially what Garav is doing with Dark Lanterns where it's oh, it's it's a uh, spy 60s mod type feel right. type thing while, while still being firmly fantasy as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what, it's, what, what's the different flavor there that, that, that you've been bringing to it with the, with the exotic oh. dance? How does it work? So um, one of the things that I really liked playing with him, I gave him sort of a unique special move in that he has uh, flying silks is what I call it. And he has sort of a wrap around his waist that is just a long silk scarf uh, type of thing. And he uses his mage hand at one end and the mage hand has a 30 foot range. It's, it spins him like a top where it spins out and can wrap around and I use it to entangle or trap or trip or or do different things. So he sort of does a pirouette and this silk shoots out and traps someone. I love that, that you're incorporating mage hand into that. I just would like right? to say though, I am super embarrassed right now and nobody would ever know why except I'm choosing to tell you. In my okay. head when you said <laughs> you were exotic, you had to do exotic um, dance, I yeah. went to Erotic, erotic dance. Know, yeah, and I was a like, wow, that is bold. Like he's yeah, like a Mata Hari. Like, giving lap right? dances. That's... Like, I'm doing it for my powers. It's like I have to <laughs> I gotta do it, man. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> you will enjoy this. Yeah. It gives gives new meaning to the words magic mic, I think. <laughs> Okay. Magic Mike XXX yeah. S because I'm a halfling. Yeah, <laughs> small size, small size. Uh, no, but it, it was so much fun to play. And Garav, as you mentioned, is just incredible. One of the things that he did that I'm taking over into my home games is that he got a bunch of those props that people use for photo booths, like oh, glasses yeah. or a bow tie, like on a stick, and he uses them for his NPCs. And oh, I was like, that's, that's genius. genius. Oh, that's uh, fun. Yeah. 
That's the really taking that that theater esque thing yeah. and, and and bringing it to your games. You know, a lot of people have been trying to. There was a recent article, for example, in the Guardian, where there was uh, uh, a group that was in costume, and they're like, "D and D is making a resurgence," and I was like, "Oh, that's so great! That's awesome!" Um, but someone replied, and it kind of been stuck in my head. We're like, you know, not everybody plays wearing costumes or, 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 or doing that type of thing. And I'm like, they yeah. should, though. They, <laughs> not necessarily that they have to, but like... Said e- like e- a yeah. theater kid. Yeah, like find, yeah. find the moments to, uh, to, to bring that kind of thing to life. And it doesn't need to be thought of as nerdy or weird or LARPy uh, in, in a weird thing. Like you, you can bring those flourishes and it just enhances the storytelling. I think so. And then uh, kind of moving along in those same lines, I worked with you last year on a project uh, with my mom and her friends from the bar in Wisconsin. Yes. Like, that Uh, is so close to my heart. That just makes me uh, melt. I love that so so much. That's so nice to hear. Thank you. Well, but that's a great example because I, my goal was to set up and sort of play a campaign with them and teach them how to play. And I told them, you don't have to dress in costume, but they wanted to. They, they took the initiative. That's where they found the fun was they saw me do Doing it and they they love to get into costume. They're like, we don't understand the dice, but getting into costume and that's what we understand. Well, we get our characters. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, you can do whatever you want. This is this is uh, just better for me. <laughs> yeah, I always like in a campaign, like it doesn't have to be a costume, but just having anything tangible, like the dungeon master might hand you like <gasps> a scroll, like like oh you found this and here this yeah. is it. Yeah. Like I love having that like bit of real world come into my yep. fantasy world it's just it's just way more immersive and i'm helping. all for the immersion the best is and i know that a lot of people don't get this privilege but deborah ann wall is wow. the most incredible dm for this because she will hand make these props and puzzles and oh bring them to home games and we're just like how <laughs> She's it is amazing. amazing. Yeah, no, she's a fantastic storyteller. I mean, your your relationship with her as player and DM has is has you know grown over the years. What's that been like? What, yeah. What was the first oh. experience playing with her like? Oh goodness. Okay, so uh, for for those of you that don't know, I did a show called Relics and Rarities uh, with Deborah and Wall, who played um, uh, Karen Page on Daredevil and other things. She was part of uh, Vampire. The True Blood. Vampire, True Blood. True Blood. Yeah, Oops, all sorry, all the seasons I think of the True Bloods. Right, right. Um, And so she uh, was approached after her first game at D&D Live to make a full-fledged show, uh, and that's what came out of it, and they cast me as one of the characters. So there are sort of four main cast members, and then we rotate it out like a a celebrity guest. Um, And that first time that we got together to do sort of the chemistry read, it was lightning in a bottle like I was so so nervous and I had just gotten back from some convention we were doing as library bard so I was jet lagged and and so it's like jittery and as soon as she sat down and started telling the story it was like I'm home I'm here this is it we're doing it and it it was just magical and it happened with all four of us uh, in the cast as well as with her so how are the how because you mentioned that you say a chemistry read? Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes when we were producing these shows, uh, we'll go, come in and do a session zero or a chemistry read where we try on the characters and see kind of how they interact with each other before we put it live on stream or uh, the day of filming. Uh, and we it's a dress rehearsal. Idea. Yeah. It's a okay. dress rehearsal. Exactly. OK. So if yeah. like something does isn't jiving, like then you change it's oh, like it happens the, all the, the time. The character just kind of gets tweaked a little until, or is it the player? Yeah. Does the player get like? 
So, well, if, <laughs> in an extreme case, then yeah, we got to be like, oh, this person maybe isn't the vibe that we're going right. for or doesn't quite gel. Um, that doesn't quite happen that often. But most of the time, if if I'm workshopping a character, you find, and you know this, you find so much out about the character by session four than what you would have session one. Yeah. And so we're just trying to speed up that process of discovering where these little ticks are with the character or what the relationship is with each other. So when we start filming on day one and hit record, there's already a relationship so do or you, a lack of one on purpose. Okay. So you, do you, you map those out in, a, in advance? Like you're like my character and Greg's character know each other because of this or sometimes everybody goes, develop? yeah, in a different approach, especially when you're talking about these like bigger budget shows for relics, it was all pre-taped. And so, uh, and, and the nature of the way Deb runs games is that it's all very structured and she's got a lot of information and a lot of story for us, which was great as a player. I absolutely love that. But uh, on the flip side, I've done shows where I only kind of know the premise and I'm bringing in a character that we haven't really talked about. We're just going to go for it and see what happens. And I think both are appealing and they're just different ways to tackle the same problem. It's like going into, uh, uh, you know, developing your role for a Shakespeare play versus I'm just going to go in and do like a sketch comedy. We're like, it's going to be fun. They're just yeah. totally different muscles almost in a way. A thousand percent. Yeah. If someone tells me that, hey, we want to go for a more dramatic tone with this game, more often than not, I will request a little bit more prep or at least about the world and talk to each other. Because not only if the tone is not as quite lighthearted, uh, there's something called that we call bleed, where if you're live action role playing or really immersed, some of the feelings from that character can bleed into your real life and affect you. Like I'm depressed or sad because of something that had happened in game. And um, some, some of the more dramatic stuff, we really have to check in with each other because we're being emotionally vulnerable and we need to make sure like if a character death happens or uh, uh, some topics that we don't want to talk about or bring up, that's all you need to talk about beforehand. Uh, to, to set those boundaries. So yeah, and we've been talking a lot time. about how session zeros, I and mean, even yeah. in, in you have been talking about it with uh, with Wes yeah. uh, more recently on that <clears> segment. <throat> uh, and we, I, I hope more more folks take a cue from 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 all of the literature about these type of things, just to set expectations mm-hmm. about what the games is going to be like. What it, you know, because there's so many uh, people coming into this hobby, which is really great. Yeah, but. Uh-huh. It can often lead to, uh, you know, even this, the, the the silly example you told at the beginning of of wanting to be a player and having to convince your your, your friends to want to do it. If you'd right. had a session zero ahead of time, you know, so it wasn't just this moment on your birthday, you know, yeah. any kind of disagreements or things at the table might have been, you know, uh, uh, taken care of because you talked about it ahead of time. Exactly. And um, I get asked this a lot, but um, I mean, I'm sure that you you do too. The common thing is like, why is there a rise in D&D or what's making it popular now? And I like to see it from my perspective where I talked about this when I was growing up. It was it was kind of like a boys club. It was something that was nerdy and, and in the basement and type of thing. And this the the community between my queer life and my fantasy D&D life were totally separate. And now there's this like Venn diagram so big, it's almost a full on circle. Uh, I mean, you guys are making merchandise uh, that's featuring it. I wanted to fit in too, so I have my mug. Oh, yes. (laughs) Excellent. Mm -hmm. Cheers. Cheers um, to that. But there are a lot of people that are using games like Dungeons and Dragons to explore gender or explore sexuality, especially with their friends. It just becomes another play thing that they can explore. 
And establishing boundaries early on, and, and not only boundaries, but expectations, can be really important to make sure everybody is comfortable and having the best time as possible at the table. I agree. I don't I know agree. why I got on a soapbox there, but sorry. It is important, though. It definitely it is important. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really interested about how that goes with the bleed you were just talking about because, you know. Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I knew you were doing a lot of D&D stuff, but as I'm looking at the sheet of, like, each of the credits that you're doing, <laughs> you might be the person who has had the, the most experience in this, like, two-year window with sure. so many different shows and so many different game systems and so many yeah. different uh, groups of people interacting with each other. Uh, that that concept of bleed is really fascinating to me, and it's not one that perhaps everybody uh, uh, you know who's who's in the hobby right now might deal with, but it's going to be right. happening more and more. So, yeah, what well, what, what is that check in like what, for you? Yeah, well, I, I want to say too that there's also like bleed doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. When right. you have that feeling of creating a, a sense of like accomplishing a quest or taking down that monster, that's bleed too, where you're feeling the emotions of your character in real life, and it can you can go on. Like I've been hopped up after a game session at midnight and I'm like, I'm going to go clean my room or whatever it is. <laughs> That's the most cool thing I could think to do. Uh, <laughs> By the way, your room is very clean. I know that. Thank very. you. <laughs> you must have just come off a really great D&D game. You it just slayed amazing. a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> Several. <laughs> um, uh, but no, uh, so uh, one of the, the tools that, that I've implemented into my live games is something called the X card where you just, or a symbol of some kind, where you have a card that's on the table that anyone can touch at any time, no questions asked. And the uh, the assumption is that the, the subject that we're on is uncomfortable, uncomfortable to me. I don't have to explain why we're moving on. And having just that um, safety net at the table makes me more comfortable as a storyteller, but I also know it makes my players more comfortable because they have that just in case. And they're like, let's move on from this topic. And no questions asked. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, we spoke to Kiana, uh, one of the creators of that uh, system. Oh. Uh, oh, fantastic! A couple of a couple of weeks ago, and I went like, God. That, and the response of people who were listening to the podcast and, and and the show were like, I just didn't realize that this was you know uh, a, a system that was out there. And so, uh, yeah. I'm hoping more and more people adopt it. And it's not even you never want to use it, right? Like you never. It, oh yeah. It's just it's always there, it, just in case because. And I think it feel makes everyone feel more comfortable just because of it. Right, right. It's nice to know, even if you're never going to use it. For sure. So in your home yeah. game, are you the DM mostly? I mostly make my friends DM for me. Oh, so <laughs> it's still happening. It's, still, it's your birthday every day. Right. Though, so, um, I do DM for other things. I, I DM for events, and uh, sometimes I'll do them at conventions, or I do a live event in the summer where we get together and like play four uh, days of, of D&D. And so... Um, I like DMing. It's a different muscle. And I like DMing more for the NPC character acting. Ah, <laughs> uh, you get to play more characters. I yes. get to play more characters and I get to, to but uh, I tend to be a little bit scattered and so I get distracted. And, and so, yeah, I don't know. It's, a, it's definitely a style choice to have me as the DM. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get a certain brand of game. Is that what you're trying to say? Exactly. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so uh, besides that, I, I did want to bring up to um, the reality show connection because my roommate and business partner, Bonnie, was also on a reality show called The Quest on ABC. I love reading about I never actually watched it when it was airing, but like he, reading yeah. about oh, what was happening yes. in that was like, how, how do we not know it was occurring? It was, well, it was, it was 
poorly marketed. I think that's a yeah, that's a thing that was yeah. happening. Um, but it, it's still, I think, to this day, the most expensive reality show ever made because it was like full on in Austria, like animatronic props, amazing. Um, and so we we both were on the shows at the same time. And afterwards, we were like, we need to do a project together. And we started a band called the Library Bards. Hey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and we are a nerd parody band. So we take top 40 songs off the radio and rework them to be about like D&D or Harry Potter or Star Wars or different things. Uh, and we just had our second album Kickstarter uh, that, that we raised $28,000. Oh my God. Amazing wow. and incredible. It's all done and being sent out. Um, but we, the first single off of that is D&D a parody of TNT by ACDC. And we just filmed the music video for that. And you so that's do be videos out. too? Oh, Your videos, videos are amazing. Too. I oh, love them. Oh my God. That's actually the first time I, I think I saw Christina Ariel was right? on your Star was, Trek parody one. Yeah, she was our Uhura. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. The connections abound uh, for sure. Um, like I said, the, the community out here is real small and real supportive. So we like we, we shot this music video for D&D and we could just pick up our phone and text people like, hey, if you have a costume and want to come to the shoot, come out. We had an amazing turnout and the footage looks incredible and I can't wait to share it. I don't remember who we were talking to about the community and like I think this particular community and how like supportive everybody is of each other and inclusive instead of being mm-hmm. competitive because like a lot of people are doing like the same thing. Or, Especially or from the theater, in the theater world, it's yeah. not yeah. quite so... Supportive. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's, you could say. It's different. Yeah. It is. Well, and that's one of the things that you had mentioned. Like, if somebody's showing up to these session zeros and is, has kind of that attitude, it, they just don't get called in for other stuff. And so we work with people that have the same sort of mantra of like, high tides rise all ships. We want this to be a good experience for everybody involved. We're sort of, and you're at the forefront of this too, we're creating this new pocket of media that has never really been done before. And we just want to make sure that everybody has a good time, you know, because we have the chance to do that. And then being involved in so many creative projects that have not been that way over right. the course of, you know, the decades of our lives. It's I such think a dream. It is. Yeah. And, and you hear, and I remember hearing from people who'd be like, oh, you know, this director is an asshole, but it's mm-hmm. good because they're, they're creating good stuff. And I'm like, I don't, you can, you can create good stuff and, and not yeah. be an asshole. It's not like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's they're this, not. yeah, exactly. Right. And I always had that tenant. And that's when I, when I put events and things together, I'm always like, hey, let's just be supportive and nice. And obviously there's going to be disagreements and things like that, but let's resolve them in ways that are not, you know, uh, drawn swords like we do in the game. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the things that I bring up all the time is like solving problems like a D&D party would because yeah. once one way is to draw your swords, but if you're in a social situation, you probably don't want to do that. <laughs> and so you work together to try to figure out what is the best way to move forward and how can we help each other and look out for each other. And someone will have to play support and someone will have to play defense, but we'll all get there together. Exactly. I think, th- and that, that's an important part too, because when you're playing D&D, like not everybody's the hero every single time. Like right. someone will have that standout moment, and the, but you all kind of worked to get that player to that moment. And we're all yeah. very happy about yeah. that moment. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. And that's what D&D yeah, teaches ma- kids and stuff when they're yes. playing together and, you know, and, and, and your moms when they're Midway Moss, yeah. they, they were able to team up and be a, a team and working together and they're like, man, yeah. what a, this game doesn't, it, it doesn't really teach anything, but you learn so much from it yeah. in a way that feels like you're, you're, you're uh, choosing to learn it. 
And 100%. that's what makes this game so interesting to me. Yes. And I get goosebumps thinking about it. It's I know. Just, it's such a cool thing. And, and, and like you said, Shelly, like for me, when I make a character, most of the time I find the fun not in the swashbuckling main hero. I want to be support class, think of a creative spell or a way to use this ability that I can help out and make it interesting. Yeah. Because that's, that's where I find it. I think like failing on a roll is so like, good. It's so fun. It just, I mean, it just, it, it's like, okay, because you can make a moment of that and just laugh yeah. at that and, and who knows yeah. where it's going to take off to. And what a great thing for like kids to learn too when they're, mm-hmm. when they're playing for the first time. They're like, hey, it's all right to roll a one and screw up and deal with the consequences of that, but then keep fighting because you've got your friends around there who are going to pick you up. Yep. Right. And, and I think a lot of that is on the onus of the dungeon master. And I think the easy thing to do would be blame the player. They have a poor attitude every time they roll a one. They go like, ah, crap. But if you're, you're reacting as a DM, like, amazing. Okay, this is how it's going to fail. Here it goes. Yeah. They get into it, too. And yeah. so it's, it's this dialogue where it's not one person's fault or the other. If you agree as a table to just have a good time, you're going to have a good time. For sure. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to what you were saying about how the uh, you know your your life as a, as a queer person and and yeah. and D and D were were separate and then now they're feeling like a lot more uh, connected and I feel like yes. you know through all the you know many of the creators and stuff that we're talking to that's a very similar theme uh, that I'm hearing. Um, yeah. Why do, why do you think that is? Why why are those communities kind of drawn together? I think it's the same way that a lot of people discover sexuality. They go. This is an option. And so (laughs) a lot of us are sitting there playing games or like video games, watching TV, movies, uh, listening to music. And it's all aimed at a specific target most of the time. Uh, But when people discovered the, the freedom that comes with Dungeons and Dragons and the ability to tell any story that you want and the lesbian character is not going to be killed and the, (laughs) or put in a refrigerator. Or put in a refrigerator, or the gay couple is not token, and it's like just a, f- a function of their personality, or it's an asexual game, and we're exploring what that means. You know, it's this toolbox that was given to the community, and the community discovered it and made it their own. And one of the things that I love to see is this sort of reclamation by these people that that this is what a D&D player looks like. It looks like me. It looks like us. It looks like our community. And... Just the ownership of that is something that I know I wouldn't have been able to do when I was younger because I was afraid of coming out. I was afraid of coming out as a nerd who loved Dungeons and Dragons. I was afraid of coming out as a gay person. And so to see the freedom that people are expressing themselves at such a young age and having the community that supports them, it's magic. It's, it really is magic in the real world. It is. It is. Uh, I, I love seeing it, and I love uh, whenever someone tells me of their experiences in playing this game and, and, and trying out new roles and, and, and uh, yeah. how that becomes so much more uh, a, a way to, to play in a safe space uh, and, exactly. and what that means for us as humans. It's not, it's not just a, uh, you know, only nerds do a thing. No, all humans need to, to feel uh, safe to be able to explore and and find out not just identities or, or large things like that, but you know I, I had an experience where I was like I'm going to play as a blind character and just yeah. feel what that's like and yeah. so much uh, uh, empathy was created just from that single choice of mine and I'm like why are more people doing this all the time yeah and it's also a great tool for us as a queer community to teach others that 
want to be allies, but maybe don't have the tools or the resources uh, necessarily at their disposal. For instance, if we call someone into a group <clears throat> and we, we announce, okay, my character's pronouns are he, him. My character's pronouns are they, them. My character's pronouns are she, her. It teaches this um, sort of behavior of, oh, I should respect someone's pronouns when they announce what they are. Even if they're playing a character, it's teaching this behavior and introducing them to the concept perhaps of they as a singular pronoun, as a non-binary person, or as a player playing a non-binary character. And so it's, I love what you said, like it, it doesn't set out to teach anything, but you learn so much by yeah. just conforming the game to what you would like to, to do and, and the, the things you want to accomplish. And talk about empathy too, which is a big one for me. Like it's an mm -hmm. important, it's, I think it's an important thing for everybody to, to have. Are you, are you crying, by the way? <laughs> but, uh, I always, I'm not. I feel I'm empathetic not, about it. Yeah, yeah. But I always try to teach my son about empathy, and I think I like swung yeah. the pendulum too far because oh, now gosh. he like is like super sensitive. <laughs> sure, like, sure. <laughs> but I love that about him. Yeah. But just thinking don't about let like him lose that. No, yeah. and I always tell him that I'm like, don't like you. You keep those feelings. You keep that. Yeah. But I'm thinking about like. Te like what you were just saying about like the pronouns and if you cho choosing to play a character that ha is a, they goes by they them mm -hmm. like what it would feel like if that's not something that you do in real life yeah. because like you would start to get a sense of what that means and feels like for that person by how like, getting, uh, how you're being responded to in yeah even like the tiniest, smallest fraction yeah. of what's called gender dysphoria, where someone calls you the wrong pronoun and you feel this feeling of like, yeah. oh, I'm not passing good enough or something like that. Uh, you feel that playing a character and you also feel the tediousness of like correcting, oh, actually it's they or yes. actually it's yeah. he or she, yes. you know, and, and, and how much that is a drain on you. I don't know. And I don't yeah, want to imply that like, oh. I would play a, a game with a character with these pronouns, and I, I get it. I get it, everyone. Like I know oh, that yeah, I know yeah. that they there is a lot more learning, and that they're feeling sure. a lot more than what you would feel. But it, it it does like it gives you a fraction of what it must yeah. feel like to do to do that, and hopefully makes you more empathetic. Yeah, and it can come from a really surprising place too. And that, again, this is why like mm -hmm. I didn't we didn't set out to teach anything about pronouns when we were you know when Dungeons and Dragons was being published, right? But it's yeah. it, it's occurred. Um, but you were a leader in including. Both sets, and then I think in they, yeah, in in the RPG publishing at least, <laughs> absolutely no, and it was it was super important for uh, you know everybody on the D and D team, but especially uh, those from the queer community, so that they could feel mm -hmm. like, oh, I want to be able to see myself in the in the games that I'm making, like, yeah. and that just means means so much. Um, but just as a, as a quick little anecdote, like I started a gaming group uh, in, in West Seattle with uh, you know uh, three of the dads who were on my daughter's soccer team, right. and. Uh, we were picking characters, and one of them had never played D. This is the one who had never played any D and D before, but was interested in it, and he wanted to play a dwarf. And uh -huh. the dwarf mini that he picked, I think, was a uh, a female dwarf. Uh -huh. And he's like, "Well, I think I'm just going to play as a non-binary dwarf, and I'm going to use this mini." Amazing. And, and he's like, "Yeah," and and he it, 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 it never been a big part of the campaign or mean anything, but 
every once in a while, he's like, you know, by the way, it's it's a they. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay, no, you're right. And I'm like, oh my god, yeah. And I'm like, it's it's been this amazing kind of dad. Yeah, it's and it's and it's uh, been eye opening for me and 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 including it. And then what was cool? We're playing Waterdeep Dragon Heist, and there is a (laughs) Dragon Heist. There is a. uh, an elf uh, character who's got an herbology yes. thing who, is, who has a they in them and then there's a, yeah. a gay, gay couple of the thing and I've been trying to dramatize those as much as possible and have you know I have to tell you so I was playing with uh, I was playing Dragon Heist uh, with Alquin who is another person sort of in the community he's he's one of my home DMs uh-huh. and we were we got to the uh, blacksmith with the water and fire Genasi yes and then I was sitting there and then he goes and they're husbands and I was like yes, yes! <laughs> like I lost my mind at the table. <laughs> of course they are. They're in love. <laughs> they are in love, and of course, because they're water and fire, I've been playing them as like an odd couple. Uh, so good to each other, and like being like, like oh, whatever, and like you know, yeah, uh, uh, having uh. the like back and forth of of Incredible. I'm the armor smith and I'm the weapon smith and that like kind of yeah. conflict, and it's been super fun. And uh, of course, the, the 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 player who is playing the the non-binary dwarf, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, felt like oh there was this you know uh, like it was part of the community that was in Waterdeep yeah. you know and I love that uh. there's that paragraph in Waterdeep Dragon Heist that's like there are people of all types in this city it's a very metropolitan um, metropolitan city with with you know that you would equate to New York or, or Los Angeles or mm-hmm. Seattle and then you should have all of this colorful nature to it and, and express that as much as you can um, yeah. So it's been really, it's really great. So let me ask just, you. Oh, yeah. not, no, you go ahead. I was going to say, just having that one paragraph can mean so much to so many people. And just to see that, yes, th- you are listening. I'm seen. I'm heard. And here we are. And we can move forward. And it's, it's, it's such a good feeling. Yeah. It's not just lip service. Like, right, no, right. anybody <laughs> can play d and We've had other gay characters in books, I think. Mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. reading... And it was like the innkeeper and his husband. And I was like, yes. This so is good. amazing. Yeah. I'm totally right. going to this end. Well, and I love <laughs> that they're not necessarily the the most flamboyant characters. Like right, they are right. the ones that are just the it's fabric just of. A, it's just a fact. Yeah. It's weird. It's as if they are people first and their sexuality second. I know. Imagine <laughs> that. I mean, clearly this is a fantasy game, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> 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 like, oh, gosh. So, well, it, it, on a little bit of a tangent, I, I've been watching through uh, Shit's Creek, which is oh, yeah. an amazing series. It's I out on get Netflix into that. now. But one of the things that the creator did was, you know, there's the the pitfall of I want these rich people to move to a small town, and most writers would be like, oh, well, the small town is bigoted and closed-minded, and it's just going to be racism and homophobia. And the writer just said, nope, those don't exist in in this world. Homophobia is not a concept that these people are familiar with. It's not an issue. People have, like, men have husbands, women have wives, and it's just that. And I was like, you can just do that when you're making the world. You can just say that's not a thing that's in our history or exists, you know? I love that. And a lot of people have been, you know, uh, talking about that on Twitter about uh, the – Conflict between elves and dwarves, and how that right. really can feel like racism to a lot of people. Yeah. And or orcs too. Yeah, like and I've thing. I've fallen into those tropes as a DM or as a player, and thought it was funny. Being like, oh, yeah. of course, elves don't like uh, uh, dwarves, and vice versa. Um, right. But I've been really having my eyes opened about how just that little underline of of the type of things that people experience in the real world is it's not necessarily just uh, a throwaway joke. It is. Yeah. It, it can it can mean a lot. 
I can speak on this a little bit too. Um, one of the episodes, I think it was like close to the last episodes of Relics and Rarities. Um, my uh, Tommy's character, who plays sort of the fighter, uh, picks up my character, who is a gnome, and our idea is to toss toss Ricky over a fence into like this encampment. Um, and we did it, and it was funny and whatever. Uh, it was a bit. We had people reach out to us afterwards saying like. Uh, dwarf tossing is an actual thing that that little people have to deal with. Mm. Um, I just wanted to make you aware that that this is something that is a negative thing in our life, and we'd rather not see it in our fantasy content. And I said, you are a hundred percent right. It didn't occur to us. Thank you for letting us know. I can guarantee you that's not going to happen in the future. And that's, I think, the best way to kind of both come at someone with a D&D correction, uh, but also, you know, all you can do is move forward and, and try to do better in the future. Yeah. Just build awareness on it. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a good D&D lesson, but it's also just a good right? life lesson. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, someone, if someone is just like, hey, what you did sucks, can you not yeah. do that? And right. you're like, yeah, okay, of course. Uh, you know, yeah. and you don't want to make a... a, a I, I, I've heard this said before, like you don't want to necessarily make it a larger issue than it needs to be, right. but just be mm-hmm. like, apologize, go on, move on, and then just make sure to correct that behavior going and forward. And work to make that a, correct, a yeah. correction. Yeah. Because there's one thing to say, oh, I won't do it, and then you're not putting the effort into it. Um, but I love those kinds of corrections. Not a big fan of like, mm, but actually the fighter only has a strength of 17, so it wouldn't be able to yeah. throw it. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the less fun correction for sure. Yeah. Even though but, uh, we did get to see yeah. you do your, your head back and forth thing, so that part of it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Oh gosh. So the second album, sorry to totally shift tracks, but the second yeah, album no for Library Bards, I, yeah. I I was a huge fan of the first album. I think I met Bonnie at a uh gosh, it was a I think it was an event for the Tales of the Yawning Portal. Uh oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that uh, uh uh Dylan Sprouse uh was right. uh, was running and she was playing in that game and she gave me a CD and I was like, oh, "Okay, cool." Yeah. And I put it in my car and my kids love it. Oh. They <laughs> latched onto it so much cuz it was like the pop that they're kind of had heard. But yeah. they weren't enough hearing it in, so that they knew all the words to the real pop songs. Right. So they only learn your lyrics. Oh, perfect. Yes. Forever. They're always going to be like, yeah. amazing. Oh, it's, it's a curse for us because whenever we go to like a wedding or something and they play these songs, we're like, I don't remember the actual words. How does it actually go? <laughs> Uh, yeah, and uh, so I was talking earlier about how I'm an old man and my phone's always dying, and my phone was dead <laughs> when I was driving the other day. And I'm like, oh, let me. What's in my CD player? And it was that record. It's still in there. And all of a sudden, I started listening to these again. And then I woke up this morning. I have to tell you, with uh, Gandalf in my head yeah. still, uh, which is the the parody of Shake It Shake Off. It off. I couldn't even remember what the oh, actual real my thing God. was. Yes, and it's amazing. So, you guys have played that at D and D Live, and it just was like yeah. immediately in my oh, head again. A billion times, but that was actually the first music video that we did, uh, and it features David Baxter as like a giant Gandalf that comes in, and a whole bunch of other people from the community at the time. Oh, that's great, um, David but, Baxter. Yeah. Just so folks, if you watch any of the D and D live stuff from this year, he played as Arkin, uh, or yes. co- was cosplaying Arkin, uh, uh, Joe Manganiello's character. Oh, at that D&D was live. a huge okay. man. Yeah, he's and he's done the Hound. He's done all these like everything that's yeah, tall. He's, he's very good the at the hound. tall stuff. Hagrid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but yeah, and so like, thank you so much for that. We're also available on Spotify for those that don't have CD players anymore. <laughs> yeah, oh, or iTunes, have. yeah. The uh, the um, Alexa will play it as well. It's uh, true. So yeah. I have, I mean, I do love the music, but every once in a while I'm like, okay, can we not listen to yeah. this for the 14th time in a row? Because uh, now I, it's I'm definitely right going to be in my head. You're like, I've, I've performed it too many times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and uh, doing this album too. The, so the first album, we did a lot of like real pop songs, stuff that was really on the radio at that time. And for the second one, we wanted to do fandoms that were really important to us and songs that we really wanted to do, regardless of when they came out or how mm. popular they were. And so that was so much fun to explore, like Sticks and ACDC and uh, Bonnie Tyler. Uh, we it, it's just got a whole mix of everything. So I did like a Power Rangers song. Oh, nice. uh, we did Princess Bride, uh, everything. It's just oh, been, what's the Princess the Bride best. one? What? Uh, it's to uh, Mr. Brightside by the Killers. Oh, it's, it's the Princess Bride. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, I love Definitely that. I'll never hear it the same again. It is right? true. Once you hear that, yep. yeah, you cannot go back. It's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, everything is up at librarybards.com. It's like library cards, but with a B. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> It's mind exploding, yeah. uh, but you—I was going to say—you can go back because my daughter, uh, she's mm-hmm. eight, so she's the one. She's the one who, who loves it the most, but she really loves "Shut Up and Raid." Yeah, because we started playing World of Warcraft together, and so she she oh, got great. all those references. Uh, but then we Yay. were just at a wedding recently, and there was like a karaoke rehearsal dinner, and uh-huh. she was like, "I was gonna sing Shut Up and Raid, but I didn't think anyone would know that, so I did oh. the Shut Up and Dance with Me one oh. anyway." And so she was able to to kind of sing. And then the, we, we unbeknownst to the bride, it's like that's my favorite song, and she's a singer and an actor as well. So oh, she came up good. and she did it with my eight year old, and it like warmed my heart. But I definitely was thinking like she would not know this song if it wasn't for you guys. Right. Well, we got we get so many videos of people performing it at karaoke bars or uh, weddings or things like that of like our versions of the songs, and we love it. It's the best. Oh, that's got to feel good. Oh wow! Is, yeah. So are they just changing the lyrics on their own? Yeah, they'll oh. memorize the lyrics, and most of the time, if we're doing a parody, we try to follow the same format of the song. So you can do that with a karaoke track if you want. That's great. Yeah, uh, going recently, out on a limb. Were you guys, yeah. Oh, were you guys Weird Al Yankovic fans? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Fun fact. Um, so the year that we started Library Bards, uh, we submitted the, that, an EP of just like three or four songs all over the place. And one of the people that picked it up was Dr. Demento, who discovered Weird Al like yeah. in the 80s, still does a comedy music show and put us on his show. What? What? lost our minds like we, we were like our dreams are coming true <laughs> <laughs> dr Demento knows who we are uh and we've been a, a fixture over there he's still doing it and we'll we submit our songs and he'll still play them that's fantastic that is so cool yeah i was it's uh, such a kid uh, thing loving those like parody yeah. uh, music so much and then it just stays with you forever it really does with um, with the D and D song that we did, it tapped into another uh, like thing that I would quote in the past, and it was a Dead Alewives like audio sketch that Dan Harmon and them did, mm-hmm. uh, and we kind of quote that we pepper quotes into the song about that too because it was such a, a, a formative like thing in my life. Um, but for for recently with Library of Arts, we worked with Hot Topic. Uh, they uh, we performed at LA Comic Con on the Hot Topic main stage. They saw us, and the day before Thanksgiving, we're like, "Do you want to do a Christmas collaboration like in a couple of days?" And, <laughs> and you're so, like, "Yes, oh. yes." <laughs> Going back so we, to your roots. 
Exactly, right? As a Christmas caroler. So yeah, we, we uh, made six Christmas songs into uh, fandom songs that they gave us, put it up on the, on the Hot Topic YouTube channel. Um, and then we're doing GakuCon, which is a cruise ship uh, for gaming uh, that's going to be in July. And we did it last year. We're going to be doing it again this year. But you get to come to the Bahamas. We play some D&D and we do concerts on sea. You are performing on a cruise ship. We are performing that is like that, That's the pinnacle right there. I, mean. I guess. <laughs> you get the norovirus. Yeah. You get yeah. all this great stuff. You might get Have thrown you overboard. The, the SNL sketch with uh, Anna Gasteyer and Will Ferrell, and they're doing, yes. it's like at like a, a school, and they're like, I like big butts and I can't. Oh, yes. That's, that's our show. <laughs> that's Harry Potter. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I love it. I don't uh, want to run out of time. I don't either. We oh, talk about Midwest moms. Yes. Yes. Because that is, like I said, that is just joy, pure, wonderful uh, joy. Too. What a gift that was for me, too, because it, it, it pierced the veil of RPGs for my mom, who now has become an RPG cheerleader. Like, she'll watch all of my shows. She understands how it works now. And I'll get more texts from her than anyone else of, like, when is Relic Samarity season two? Oh. Know, <laughs> You're like, come on, I'm trying to get a job. Patrolling <laughs> me, mom. Well, when, yeah, you, yeah. And, and when your mom was talking about... Uh, you know, not understanding what you were doing. It was those birthday right. parties. It was like always yeah. those birthday parties that you were just were talking about earlier. She was like, I didn't know exactly. what he was doing. I thought they were just playing together down in the basement. Yeah. It's very true. She had no idea. She would just make food and come down and be like, I don't know. I love that she was still supportive in her way of like, okay, here's some food. Yeah. Kids. Different than a lot of moms of that era. So yeah. lucky. I, I so lucky. So how did it how did you get to the point where she agreed to play? Yeah. And her so, friends. Um, Right, right. I, I was already scheduled to go back to Wisconsin for like a holiday break. Uh, and I was visiting and I, I thought to myself, oh, well, if I maybe this would be a fun idea to just play with like my mom and my sister in like our living room and I would like stream it on Twitch or something like that. Um, and I thought it would be fun and kind of bumbling. But then I was like, wait a second, there's something here. And so I actually called Greg uh, and I was like, hey, I have this pitch. And he was like, let's do it. <laughs> so You uh, know talent when you see it. It was a great <laughs> idea. It's so great. Like yeah. getting Midwest moms, you like, are not even just Midwest, but like moms in general yeah. yes. to, to be like, I want to do the thing that my son is really, uh, you know, getting yep. notoriety for. Like it just, right. know, it just all fit together. Just into like any. Yeah. Any, yeah. And not only that, like I had visited them so many times at that bar and they are characters. Like these women are like absolutely characters. And so I knew that I could, I could, there was something there. And uh, so I sort of steamrolled them into it. And I was like, for the future of my job, Dungeons and Dragons making me make a video. So you've got to do it. Otherwise I'm fired. <laughs> oh, no. I was going to ask. So you guilted them into it. to agree it to definitely it? definitely guilted ah, them I get it. They were so nervous. Oh. <laughs> they did so good, though. They were. They were they perfect. Did. And see, that's where I feel like the fib was fine. Because the, the, the Machiavellian the ends justified the means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You lied to them for your own good. And what you right. don't know is that Greg was, was totally a fire. He would have fired me. I yeah. would have totally fired him. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, oh, if I don't have a video on my desk by Wednesday, it's you're fired. Was that like a J. Jonah Jameson type thing? I was like, get yeah, me yeah, pictures yeah. of Spider-Man. <laughs> and make a video with your mom. 
Right, right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ooh, this got workplace inappropriate. I don't know. I know. That should I should have said moms multiple, but yeah. that, is that worse? I don't know. I don't know. There's some Wisconsin cheese involved. No, nope, still it's going worse, bad. And a okay. Viking hat. Yeah. I yeah. love the the, the so and the feathered she, boa. Yeah, she. Uh, my mom is a Minnesota Vikings fan living in Wisconsin, and Ooh, I don't know if you know how perilous hard. that is. It's a tough life that she's yeah. chosen for herself. <laughs> and so, so when I sat them down in our session zero, and I was like, "Let's make these characters," uh, she's like, "I want to be a Viking," and ah. I was like, "Well, let's make you a barbarian, and we'll get as close as we can." <laughs> she's like, but I want to wear the horns. It's like whatever you want to do. You can do that. <laughs> Oh my god! Yes, and yep, that's, that's, that's what this a, is yes, all about. Dungeon master. Yeah, yep, that's awesome. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to. I don't want to stop talking. Can we just keep talking yes, for like hours yeah, and hours? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I could keep going too. Yeah, I know, right? That's uh, more of this. That's all I need. is more coffee. Right? Yeah. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> but you are awesome. You do so much wonderful mm-hmm. things. Uh, uh, I, I'm a you know basically fan of everything you do, like forever and ever. So keep Thank keep making you. stuff. Yes. Oh my goodness. And again, this is a dream come true. So to hear that from people like you is just incredible. <laughs> we're here. We're here to make more stuff too. We're big fans. Yeah. Shelly is. Uh, also a fan. I have to go back to the joke I was going to make earlier when you said going back to your roots. I was yeah. thinking about going back to Hot Topic to get a, a hair care product. And I'm like, right. That's oh. a, that was a very, like, so many layered joke. But so no, many. You were right. talking about the carolers. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, right. I thought your joke was more layered than it actually was. <laughs> you gave me too much credit. <laughs> I know. It was a, it referenced something that we didn't even talk about on the air. So it <laughs> was like caroler. a really good joke. <laughs> In the middle <laughs> the of me talking joke. about Hot Topic, I think, again, I was like, oh, no, that was I on air. I've just talked about it twice now, I think. That's oh, but no, you're, no, it was because we were just before we started recording, yes. which is even better. Oh, good. Okay. You said you were a professional um, caroler. But which is also funny because Hot Topic. When I was a kid growing up, I used to call it the mm-hmm. vampire store. It's like that's yeah. where vampires go to shop. Is they, <laughs> right. they go to Hot Topic because that's where all their supplies I that are. Was Spencer's. Well, that too. But well, both. Yeah. Hot, vampires hot. need clothes too, as well as novelty cards. Right. <laughs> Have you been into a Spencer's though recently? There are Spencers. There are Spencers. I don't even know if there's malls. There's like a whole adult section of Spencers now. There always was. Like, was. It was in the back room. Well, not where I was growing up. Now it's like front and center. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. that's like their brand. Every once in a while, I was like, I might, I'm like, oh, I'll take you into Hot Topic and my kids because I'm like, oh, this is mall, this is where I grew up. And I'm like, no, you can't go in Spencer's. Don't, do not go in that corner. Yeah, yeah, wait, yeah. yeah. Ours was like a dark. Let's wait room. five years before you go there. <laughs> take the watch. Yep, five years. Yep, five years. <laughs> then, then we'll have a very frank discussion about it, but not right now. <laughs> Just throw them in there. That's, yes, how, that's yeah. how all kids learn. Yeah, get, here's all your questions. Get in the back room yeah. of Spencer's. <laughs> you get you get 20 <laughs> questions. That's all I'll answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh and God. no, you can't have that. Uh, all right. <laughs> Save them. A you don't know what that's for, and I'm not going to explain it to <laughs> yeah, you. Exactly. Ask your mom. Uh, I'll, I'll just point them to you, Xander. <laughs> like here, ask Great. Xander all yeah. the questions. <laughs> I don't know if I'm prepared to do ask that. Xander. Or if you're prepared for the repercussions of that later. <laughs> that's. I, honesty is the best policy. That's right. what I've always had with my kids. <laughs> Uh, oh gosh. So thank you so much for, for being here. Where I mean, I, there's yeah. so many different places to point people to find out more about oh. you, but what, 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 yeah. what would be the top five? <laughs> My main hub is Twitter, pretty much. Uh, it's at Xanderific. That's Xander with an X and then two R's and one F. 
from there, I also stream on Twitch regularly. Uh, I am playing through Pokemon, uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 will be coming up soon, uh, and a whole bunch of other RPG stuff that I'm excited to announce. Um, Clear Skies is a Star Trek RPG that'll be coming up in 2020 I'm of January. That. That'll be on Q Times. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade LA by Night is starting again season four. Uh, so that'll be coming out. And then uh, this weekend, tomorrow, actually, I'm doing uh, an event called Celebrity 20 charity um, event uh, for Reach Out and Read. And it's an early literacy organization, and there are a ton of amazing people that are involved. I'm hosting it along with Team Phoenix. It'll be a full day of different D&D one-shots. I'm very excited. But yeah, all of it's on my Twitter. I'll, I'll post it. That's so awesome. <laughs> are you playing Pokemon yeah. Go on Twitter? Well, I'm playing Pokemon Sword right now. Oh, okay. And... And if we uh, if we catch them, we have to nickname them. And if they faint in the game, they die. Uh, I was so. going to say, my son will watch it. Oh, no. <laughs> well, no, it's all fun and lighthearted because I try my best not to let them die. You did, <laughs> Don't let them die. That's not the catchphrase. It's not. Don't let them die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to revive them all. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I'm very excited about everybody who's playing in the uh, Celebrity D20 uh, uh, thing. I, I've been, I, yeah. I, was, I said before. Like Travis McElroy, TJ Storm, Luke Gygax. Amazing Ivan Van Norman, who we mentioned, amazing players. There's a amazing huge, DMs. There's like what thirty or forty people like on that list. Wow, it's, it's huge. A lot. It's a full day, and a lot of them all we're all in that community of people who've been lifting each other up for for, for years and years. So uh, yeah. I love it, uh, and it's yeah. a really great cause. Like getting uh, more people reading is, I think, also we didn't mention this, but it is like a thing that D and D does. Like it yeah. just lets people want to read, which I think mm-hmm. uh, is is fantastic. My daughter was just reading through the Young Adventurers guides and like letting us know all about it. I'm like, oh my god, yeah, you're, you're well, in. Yep. When I was young, fantasy you were talking about earlier with with some of the guests, like Forgotten Realms and stuff. That was my entry, and yeah. I was a voracious reader. And it was because of getting into D and D and fantasy that I was able to do that. Yeah. So kudos for you to host to make that happen. Say hi to Satine and everybody for us. Yeah, we'll do. Awesome. <laughs> All right, go Thanks. prepare for all the things you've got to go do, yep. and we'll have you back yeah. on and have, have interview number four, five, six uh, uh, lined oh, up. Oh, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> all right, awesome. You're the Thanks, best. Xander. Thank See you. Later. you. Thanks for having me on. That was the best. <laughs> it's the best. You can't even keep your microphone. My microphone was face. on my head. It's amazing. It was amazing. Uh, I feel like my face hurts from laughing like, so much during that interview. Definitely. I smiled the whole time. I smiled the whole time. Usually I have resting bitch face. <laughs> Resting lich face, please. Resting lich face. Sometimes I catch a glimpse on the screen. I'm like, oh, smile. Oh, man. Stand up straight and smile. My illusion was dropped. I got to get oh, that, cast that illusion again. He's delightful, and I love him even more now. Absolutely, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, wonderful, just proselytizer, not just for Dungeons and Dragons, but for all of nerd culture. And yes. I, uh, I want more people like Xander out there in the world. You Can we do. clone him? Do you think that's weird? Ooh, that would be fun. I think that's Let's weird. Let's get an office Xander. <laughs> an office Xander? Yeah. So when we come to work, and be like, oh, yay, get to see office Xander yeah, today. Yeah, here, we grew him out of a vat. Yes. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. No, I don't think we should do that. Okay. No lab-grown. <laughs> <laughs> this got weird. It's got, we apologize. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. The year is over. Isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Are we you, are on to 2020 now. We basically are. Yeah. What's that going to be like for, for, for us in the futures? Really great. It's going to be great. It's going to be a good year. It's going to be really good. Yeah. Uh, we've got lots of great guests lined up for the future 
Uh, I think Lisa's been busy. Lisa has been busy. Uh, and uh, I think that's, that's a good thing to kind of be a little bit sentimental about here is thanking our friends at Siren Sound uh, yeah. for making this podcast. Woo! Uh, as amazing as it is, uh, Ryan Marth has been with us as long as I've been here. I've been I've been here for about five years. Ryan's been working for you guys for longer than that, right? Right, I think so. Twenty fifteen. So oh. it started right around when I started. Oh yeah. Um, Maybe I don't remember. Yeah, but he was making the podcast yep. before I started joining this podcast. So uh, feels like you were always here, Tito. I feel like Ryan, you should be in, in the five-year uh, club here at Wishes the Coast. Yes. Even though it's a, it's a five-year contracting type deal. Yep. Uh, but uh, it, recently this year, we brought on uh, Lisa Carr, who has been helping producing and getting and all of the amazing, amazing things happening, amazing. making drinks for us, kind of making us like feel a little more professional. We're super professional. I mean, yeah. This so, is like a real show now. Thank you to Lisa for all of that. Yep. Uh, thank you to uh, Pelham Green for helping us out with streaming a video for Always. all these things going forward. Thanks, Great work Pelham. on Dragon Talk. And uh, everybody give him a high five and follow him on Twitter. Sure. He's at Pelham Green. Make it happen. Um, also, uh, I want to give a shout out to Sean Mayofsky, who is always here to help out doing video yep. stuff for us whenever we need it. Uh, Adam Contini has helped in the past, uh, as well as some other fun folks here at Wizards. Uh, like Bill Benham. Always got to give a shout out to Bill Benham for getting together just, swag bags. He's for probably our crew. doing something. He's probably amazing doing something right, right now. now. Exactly. Yeah. It's true. So, uh, so thank you for uh, everyone. Thank you to Emmy Tanji for making all the wonderful graphics that you see, even those on the podcast in the icons, as well as those uh, when we're streaming live on twitch.tv slash DD. Thank you for that. Uh, do you want to thank anyone else? All of our guests. Thank we you. would have no one to talk to. Well, if we have to list all of them agree. now. All right. Here we go. I wish we could. <laughs> I, I kind of want to go through, back through a fast to it. list. You were just saying you were looking through the archive. I know. I should have we should printed do that. it out or something. Yeah. But everybody that has been gracious enough with their time to come talk to us and share all the cool things they're doing, and we just have such a good community. It's true. It's a great community of people yeah. that are eager to. to Keep creating and share and talk and spread the love. And tell the story. And I think uh, yeah. that's D&D to AT. It is. It Weird is. how that happens. I know, right? Yeah. It is amazing. So thank yeah. you to you. As always, you know, we want to get the word out about this podcast uh, to everyone. We don't really tell you that a lot. And if you're listening, we used still, to. We used to do it a lot more. But yeah. you know, write some reviews, spread the word, let everyone know uh, about uh, how great this community is, and to come along for the ride. Yeah. Uh, always looking for more nominees for guests and people to talk to. Yes. Uh, who are not necessarily they don't necessarily have to be D and D like focused, but like have uh, a part of their lives be touching D and D, and then just be creative people. And I want to tell their story about what they're doing within the community. Yes. So that do that. Wonderful. You can reach us. Uh, I'm on Twitter is probably the best way to get in touch with me at Greg Tito. I'm at Shelly Moo. At Shelly Moo. Yeah. Uh, if you want to find out about Dungeons and Dragons, of course, DungeonsDragons.com. Uh, but I suggest everyone should go download Dragon Plus right now. It is an app. Comes out with new content once every two months. So that's six issues a year, and it is chock full. There's like twenty to thirty pieces of articles or content or previews about what's coming up, in-depth interviews that you really can't get anywhere else. It's pretty, a lot of it is exclusive, as well as RPG content like maps and uh, uh, amazing encounters and things like that are also provided all on Dragon Plus. Uh, so check it out. Download it now. It's the best way to get out what's happening. And then, of course, 
darkalliance.com is the place to find out about uh, the recently announced new video game coming from uh, our friends at Took Games, published by Wizards of the Coast. So find out about that at darkalliance.com, yes. a spiritual successor to the Dark Alliance games on uh, the PlayStation 2 back in the early aughts. Oh. Yes. That's going to be awesome. Um, action RPG starring the Companions of the Hall, with which uh, Bob Salvatore might know a little bit about. Uh, he was there consulting on the story uh, with the developers at Took Games. That's awesome. uh, So you get to see Drist, Cadibree, Wolfgar, and Brunar, 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 Battlehammer, uh, battle it out with their signature weapons. So look for a Battlehammer. Uh, <laughs> All right. And a, uh, a big axe, as well as the yeah. two scimitars uh, of Drist de Warden. And Cadibree's got her archery thing going on. As well as a lot her of her archery thing. Yeah, her bow is uh, is is sharp. Yes, you gotta have that. Pop. I'm so glad we have a pop filter. Sorry, Ryan. Ryan has taught me so many things. I'm gonna thank him for that. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan, for teaching me You're all about audio and things like that. All right, enough. Thank you. Lastly, to the audience. Yes, you are wonderful people. And our live studio audience. And our live studio audience. Thank Yay! you, buddy. Uh, you're the best. And our uh, listening and, and viewing audience. I had no idea we'd be able to fit, you know, 30,000 of you in this cave uh, that know. we were exploring. And, but and we're nothing really, bad has happened. Nothing at all bad has happened. So yeah. we appreciate that. And, uh, you I don't know. why it says max capacity four. <laughs> uh, it does seem like every time we laugh loudly or something like that, there's some like tremors or anything like that. So let's just get like one final uh, round of applause for oh, yeah, okay. all of us here. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Happy New Year. Oh, no, 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 no.